Hi, I am Katina Horton, the Love and Freedom Toxic Relationship Recovery Coach. And today's Bible teaching is entitled, How You Know When You Can Only Handle Them in Doses. Now, I want you to think about this. When you call the doctor, right? You're sick, you're not feeling well, you're congested, uh, you're going in between being congested, having a running nose, having fever, chills, et cetera, right? It could be you or it could be your child. And the doctor might say, take 20 uh, milliliters of this particular liquid. I'm going to call it into the pharmacy, have somebody pick it up. If you well enough, go get pick it up yourself. But you're only going to take 20 milligrams, right? Every six hours, right? Four times a day within a 24-hour period, right? So what do you think is going to happen if you take more than 20 milligrams every six hours for four times a day, right? In a 24-hour period, right? If you take more than 80 milligrams of that medication, nine times out of 10, you're going to become very sick. And for some people who have sensitive systems, they might be going on to glory, literally piecing out of here, right? And that means that if you take more than the dosage, what's going to happen? you are going to be physically sick. And so the same thing happens. We take it lightly, right? We take it very lightly, but the same thing happens when we are around narcissistic people and other toxic individuals, right? We can only handle those type of people in what? In doses. But what we do is that what we, we get so caught up in the history of being with that person. We get so caught up in the five to 10% value that they're bringing to the relationship. And so we what? We don't set up boundaries. And then when we're getting sick emotionally, mentally, spiritually, right? And physically, and then we're in relationally, socially, financially, intellectually, right? Sexually, all the above. When we're getting sick in all of those areas, then we start to go, huh, I wonder what's going on. I wonder why I feel like this. And your body had been telling you all along, your gut instinct, something's not right with this person. You were ignoring the yellow, the yellow flags, right? That were going to turn what into red flags. You ignored that gut instinct, right? And so just like with that medication, sometimes we cannot be around people too long or what? We're going to overdose on them, right? And you might say, well, how do I know when I have overdosed on certain individuals. Point number one, not only do you own your emotions, you're owning theirs too. With narcissism, other toxic individuals, emotionally immature individuals, and or individuals who have tons of unresolved and repressed trauma, right? They use people as emotional regulators, right? That means whatever emotion they're feeling, they're going to offload that emotion onto you. And in scripture, it says what? Over in Proverbs 19, 19. Let angry people, and this is the message version. Let angry people endure the backlash of their own anger. If you try to make it better, you'll only make it worse. So sometimes we'll have somebody, a lot of times, let's just be, keep it real and be honest. We'll have people who are angry and all out of sorts emotional outbursts, which that's also emotional outbursts and lashing out. That's also a trauma symptom, right? Inability to regulate ourselves before we're in conversations with others, right? 
And so we have people that are do that and we be trying to calm them down, trying to calm them down, trying to calm them down. And a lot of times in that process, they're only getting louder and louder and louder. They're not even able to hear you because they're doing what? They're riding off their emotions. They're riding off of how their nervous system feels, right? They're hopping on that train or on that wave and they just ride it all the way to downtown, back into the end of the land, right? So when you're trying to rescue them, what's going to happen? You just got to keep trying to rescue them again, right? Because they don't want to be rescued. They want to ride it out, right? And I'm not saying they want to be in that state. Once they're in that state, there's no pulling somebody out of that emotionally reactive state, right? The only thing you can do is to try the best you can and regulate your own emotions. Otherwise, you're going to become dysregulated from their dysregulated emotions and nervous system, right? Somebody shamed them, then what happened? They shamed you and offload their emotions. I never forget, I was talking to someone and this particular person told me that someone had just shamed her. And before she even told me that, I was already thinking in my head, I know. And then I went on and been honest with her. I said, yeah, I could tell that that happened. And she said, you can't, I'm like, I can feel it. I mean, this person, I didn't tell her, but she was leaking, re-reeking of shame, was just coming out of her. So the way she was able to offload her shame is what? She said something shameful to me, right? And so I could feel it. I already felt it leaking out of her. So when she told me what the other person said, it's like, okay, I knew I was feeling shame, but I didn't know why it was coming out, where it was coming from, and it didn't seem like it was my own. But when you're around people who don't regulate their emotions, right, and own their own junk, so to speak, you start to think, is it me? And then you have to try to siphon out what's yours and what's theirs, right? And that's a job. That's a, a full-time job within itself, right? And so it's upsetting, even if this person is upset, right? They get some upsetting news from watching the news and they get fear invoked in them, right? So then what they'll do in turn is tell you about whatever was upsetting. These same individuals, right? The next thing you know, you have what? Fear invoked in you. And I've had a few people before that once I saw their MO, certain things they watched, I noticed how it invoked fear in them. They were not self-aware of the fact, right? It invoked fear in them. So then next thing you know, I'm talking to them and they're telling me about all of this stuff with the world ending and all of this kind of craziness and these conspiracy theories. And next thing you know, I had what? Fear all down in my mind, body, soul, and spirit. So then what happened is when that person got into that mode, I noticed, right? Because of me being self-aware and paying attention to the patterns, right? My brain picked up on, then it's like, okay, he or she is in this mode now, right? So then my brain just kind of turn off what they're saying. Because once they were starved, you couldn't stop them. There was no stopping them, Right? When people want to offload their emotions and they're all caught up into how they feel, when we get caught up into how we feel, right, over being rational and responding, we could really do some damage. Like I said, we invoke our emotions over into somebody else's instead of owning them. And so what, is, what started to happen, I noticed when she was in that mode, right, and I knew she could go on two, three hours talking about this, I had to turn it off so to speak, in my head, listen, but not really be listening, if that makes sense, right? And so what happens is, like I said, when we don't own our emotions, other people carry around, they already carrying around whatever trauma and drama they've got going on, but then they're also carrying around our junk because we are not owning it, right? 
And even when it comes to a spirit of abandonment, it's a lot of us that have abandonment issues. If we're taking care of it, if we're going to therapy, talking about it, if we're regulating our emotion, if we're owning our emotions, this spirit does not become a problem. However, if it's a narcissistic individual, if it's an individual who's toxic, it's an individual who's emotionally immature, it's an individual who has unresolved and repressed trauma, right? Tons of it that they've not worked out. Nine times out of 10, when they start talking about things or something triggers their abandonment, you are actually going to feel a heaviness in your uh, body, your soul and spirit in general, just a unnatural heaviness and like it's just going to be an unnaturalness about the emotions that's going to feel like this is not mine something is going on here right and that energy gets poured down to start permeating the air and it permeates deep inside of you and for a while you're like walking around for a week or two trying to recover from all of that mess that they placed inside of you right and like i said when it's dysregulated and it's unmanaged and you've got unresolved and repressed trauma, that is the perfect recipe for a toxic cocktail of emotions. And how do you know? Because the energy is toxic. There's just a feeling in the air that's just unnatural, and it gets deep inside of your spirit and soul. Toxic empathy also, right, can cause this to happen. When we are so caught up, Right. And empathizing with someone else that we almost it's like the situation have happened to us. We've lost control of our emotional boundaries. Right. And then it's like you've actually taken the place, their place, so to speak. Instead of it being Jesus on the cross, you put yourself on the cross and actually taken the place of that individual. That's toxic empathy. Right. It's not good for you and it's not good for that other individual. And it's just like that. A man of God who was a prophet, right? He had toxic empathy for the old prophet, for that false prophet, that old prophet of God, right? He had empathy, toxic empathy for this individual who said, we the same, I'm just like you. I, you know, I'm a prophet just like you. And he got convinced to go back to this man's house after God has said what? He wasn't supposed to eat or drink anything in that place. And he was not supposed to go back the way he came. But that man brought in the Python spirit Pretended like they had something, what, that was similar, right? Followed him first of all, because Python always follows you, right, to annoy you. But he followed him first of all. Then he pretended that they were, what, invested in that same spirit and got him to come back to his house and eat and drink. And that's when the Lord used that old prophet to tell the man of God, like, you're not going to even make it home, right? You're not going to make it home. And sure enough, a lion devoured him. But what does it say in the scripture that, but the devil goes around like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour, right? And so what happens is that uh, in the scripture, even when it came to Samson, he had toxic anger. It says, but after a while, in the time of wheat harvest, Samson visited his wife with a young goat and said, I will go in my room, uh, go into my wife in her room. But her father did not let him enter. Her father said, I really thought that you hated her intensely. So I gave her to your companion. And see, Samson's thing is once his trauma hit, he went through that flight trauma response of abandonment, right? And he thought, okay, I'm just going to leave my wife for a while after she betrayed me to the Philistines and told my secret. And I'm just going to come back when I'm ready to talk to her. 
but that's not how it goes. You just peace out and then you come back like a parent who haven't seen their child and I don't know when. That's not how relationships work, right? And you just pick back up where you left off at. Mm -mm, that's not relationally healthy, right? There's no reconciliation that has to be that's been done in order for the restoration to take place, right? And so it's like her father didn't let him in. And he said, I thought you hated her so intensely. So I gave her to your companion. Is her younger sister not more beautiful than she? Please let her be yours instead. Now you see he didn't do right by your older daughter, but you're going to go ahead and recommend your younger daughter for him? That doesn't make any kind of sense at all. And it says what? Samson then said to them this time, I will have been blameless regarding the Philistines when I do them harm. And Samson went and caught 300 jackals, tail to tail. So he went and got 300 foxes, it says, and put one torch in the middle between two tails. When he had set fire to the torches, he released the jackals into the standing grain of the Philistines. So he had these foxes to go out and destroy property and set fire to both the bundled heaps and the standing grain, along with the vineyards and olive groves. Then the Philistines said, who did this? And some said, Samson, the son-in-law son of the Timnite, because he took his wife and gave her to his companion. So the Philistines came up and burned her and her father to death with fire. So his anger caused what? Their death. Number two, right? How you know who? when you can only handle them in doses, right? When they keep trying to make you a clone of them, right? There's energy involved in that. If every day, all day long, right? Or every week, every month, every year, whatever the frequency is, right? Every time you see them, they try to convince you to do the same thing that they're doing. That gets played out. Even though they say, get to the point where they roll off. You do want to get to the point where certain things people say will roll off of you. At the same time, if you're dealing with this energy every day, all day long, putting a nine to five job, right? All that energy into it, like you're working a full-time job and trying to, and you keep telling the person, I got to better do things the way that I need to better do them, right? And you keep saying it over and over again, like a broken record, right? We're fearfully and wonderfully made. We have all been specifically designed for a certain calling and to be able to express ourselves. We need autonomy. We need agency, a sense of agency with that, all the above. And you keep saying that and the person keep trying to convince you to do the same thing that they're doing with their lives, make the same choices where they're shopping at to get food, right? The relationship they have with their ex-husband who tried to kill them. All of this kind of thing, right? Buying the same electronics they buy because it makes them all of this rigidity that makes them look what? Self-righteous and make them appear highly moral because they've mistaken what? Rigidity, thinking that rigidity equals high morality when it doesn't. It's two different things. People, will you notice if, they're, if you're around people who are very rigid, nine times out of 10, that rigidity has self-righteousness attached to it, right? And an antagonistic viper spirit, right? Remember that viper spirit is antagonistic. It's a self-righteous one, and it's a legalistic spirit. Even when you think about the disciples bothering Jesus, telling him that, uh, not the disciples, rather the Pharisees, bothering Jesus, telling him, oh, the disciples are picking grain and eating them on the Sabbath because the disciples were hungry and they had been hanging out with Jesus all day. 
So it's like they need to be doing what we're doing. And in other words, Jesus answered them like, don't you know about David, him and his men going to get some of the shoe bread that was set up only for the priests that was holy bread, but they were out and they were hungry. They were famished and they needed some energy. Don't you know about that? And it's like, in other words, mind your business. When we get so caught up on what the law said, what the rules say, right? Then offering people grace and love and truth and compassion and empathy, we what? We become self-righteous. And we do what, what Jesus told the disciples that the Pharisees was doing, right? Not to do, the reason he said, don't do what they do, he said, because they tie up extra loads. They put weight, heavy weights on people, telling people to do all this extra stuff for salvation that they themselves are not even doing. And that's the thing about it. People who are real rigid, some of the stuff they're trying to get you to do, they're doing, but if you watch them, if you recorded them from day, from morning, all the way to night, or for 24 hours, they contradict themselves all the time. And the scripture says what? A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. They would tell y'all, if that was me, I wouldn't do that. Child, I do this and that and the other, and I've done this and that and the other. And then when you look at it, you start thinking, like, wait a minute. <laughs> one of your kids, the one that did this, and aren't you the same person that did this? No, yeah, yeah, no, 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 that's different. Well, yeah, I did that, but that's different. That situation is always different. It was always a yeah, but, right? Number three, the third way you know, right, that's going to let you know how you know that you can only handle them as doses is when all they do is roll out a spirit of complaining and negativity about everything. You can tell somebody it's beautiful outside. Well, they don't get too happy. They say it's going to rain tomorrow. <laughs> you know, or they say, uh, my husband is becoming undone. I'm not sure what it is I need to do. You give them advice and that advice involves Advice involves setting up boundaries. Uh, perhaps you going to uh, therapy, uh, telling them about going to therapy uh, and setting up boundaries and doing what they can do as far as being responsible for themselves. But then they tell you what? Well, they probably ain't going to work anyway. He's just going to be doing the same thing. I'm going to walk in the door. He's going to start up with me. Not even trying what it is. The, the advice you've given them, not even trying that, but just always having something negative to say. That stuff is toxic. That negative complaining spirit is toxic, right? It was to it's going to be toxic for you and it was toxic for the Israelites, right? And it's like they don't want to do the work. They would rather complain. If you ever notice that when people have a spirit of negativity, right? A, a spirit of complaining, they don't want to do the work. They don't want a solution. They just want to complain. They like the idea of complaining. Their mind, body, soul, and spirit is addicted to what? To chaos, confusion, and complaining. They're addicted to strife. The Israelites cried and complained, right? After they found out they got the report from the spies. They couldn't think for themselves. They cried and complained about it, right? It says, then all the congregation raised their voices and cried out, and the people wept that night. And all the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the entire congregation said to them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt, or even if we had died in this wilderness. So why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become plunder. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, that's the point of leader and return to Egypt, right? And so God's just like, let me get rid of them. <laughs> I got a solution for this problem. But Moses, right? 
out of his compassion for them, out of his kindness, right? And out of his toxic empathy as well, he begged for their lives, right? And it was to his own detriment because even after begging for their lives, they still didn't want to do right. They tried to have somebody to go over Moses, even when Moses came down from getting the Ten Commandments after just begging to, to God for them and went up to get the Ten Commandments and all that he came down. They had had Aaron to build a golden calf. And where did they get the gold from? The gold that they were given when the uh, the uh, Egyptians gave them when they left Egypt, right? Took had, they, they needed their trauma, right? Needed to have something to attach to, a person, place, thing, or idea. And that's how trauma works, right? You've already left Pharaoh, but then it's looking for somebody else to replace so you can have those approval addictions needs met. Right. So they wanted to have that that need met through Moses. Moses is on, on top of the mountain. OK, what are we going to do? They panic. Right. They panic. And then they tell Aaron to do what? To make some gold, make something that they could worship. And he made the golden calf. And when Moses confronted him about it, well, I don't know. I just threw the gold in and out came this calf. <laughs> Blame shifting. Right. So he acted like he didn't have a clue of what happened. The golden calf made itself basically. Right. But that's what happens. When we hang around people that we can only handle in doses, right? We overdose on them. We overdose, right? Just like with the medicine. Nobody wants to take more medicine than what's recommended by the doctor because you you know you could what? Kill yourself. And I never forget, I had gotten a prescription. This has been 20 some years ago. And the doctor said to take it. And I was hesitant about taking it. And then what ended up happening was I got it filled. And then got home and I still was hesitant. Thank God I hadn't taken it because I got a call from the doctor's office saying that the nurse had misinterpreted what the doctor said. I would have been dead and gone and had put two and a half times the regular dosage, right? Don't overdose on medicine and guess what? Don't overdose when it comes to what? People, right? That you can only handle in doses. You are enough. Reclaim your power, soul, and identity. And then I want to challenge you to reclaim the power, soul, and identity of your calling. Grab them keys to the kingdom and get your inheritance. Again, I'm Katina Horton, the Love and Freedom Toxic Relationship Recovery Coach. If this message has been of any value to you, I would love for you to hit what? The like button and share it. If you need coaching services, whether it's individual or group coaching, head over to thevalleyofgrace.com and book a call or email me at Katina Horton at Gmail, sorry, Katina Horton VGM, which is Valley Grace Ministries at gmail.com. Again, Katina Horton VGM at gmail.com. Be blessed. I love you, fam. Until next time. He was the Change and maybe.
Have you 